Welcome to the Renew Life Church Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. extremely excited this morning just to share. If you're a first-time guest, we welcome you to Renew Life Church. Church, can we uh, welcome our first-time guest? Thank you for being here. I just believe that uh, something special um, is in store for all of us this morning. And if you chose Renew Life this morning for the first time, you're in for a treat. I just believe that God's presence is here uh, like it always is. I don't believe it ever leaves. I think uh, that even in moments like this, when we come together, you're bringing something, uh, whether you know it or not. And I pray every Sunday that the presence that rests in this place when we're here actually resides after we leave so that even the people that work for this theater experience a peace that they don't even understand. Because that's just the saturation of the presence of God. And I believe that it can remain and it can stay. So every single week, thank you for bringing your supply. Thank you for bringing your agreement because it is powerful. Uh, There is a a, a great call and there's a great um, need for people to hold a microphone and and preach the word. But there is even also a greater call in some instances of people to come and bring a supply so that people actually have a platform to even speak um, about the word of God. So you have just as important a job as me or Keith or Braden or anyone else. So you have, a, you have a huge role. Say, I have a huge role, and I'm good at it. Amen. Uh, this morning I'm excited just to share something that's been stirring in my heart for quite some time. Um, I shared this message, spoke on this topic um, about a month ago at a young adult service, and uh, it just kept coming up. It came up, uh, someone, after I, I, after I shared this, someone sent me a, a prophetic word from a lady that is overseas in uh, France or England or something, and basically her prophetic word was um, what I preached. Um, she even used some of the same scriptures, and I was like, that's really interesting that this same type of word is, is being stirred in someone across seas. Uh, someone shared a song with me that basically was the lyrics uh, of the message that I preached, and I just, God just began to, to, to turn this thing back over inside of me, and so for some of you, this will be a repeat, but some of you, this will be opening, uh, opened up for the first time. Um, today, I just want to talk to you on the topic of first love, first love. Uh, we know that Jesus said when he was questioned in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind said, this is the first and greatest commandment. He said, the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we love God, we love people, and we love ourselves. Now, God in that equation never changes position. God is always first. God always expects the first. God always deserves the first, and God always wants the first. So God in that equation never changes. We love God first. But I believe that when we love God well, we actually love ourselves well too. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, when you pray, he was talking to the believer, when you pray, you go into your room and you pray to the Father who is in secret. The Father who is in secret will reward you openly. See, when we get into dialogue, when we get into intimate communion with a Father in the presence, in the secret place, actually what's happening is we're praying, we're worshiping, we're, we're, we're reading the word, we're actually allowing who God is to infiltrate our bodies, infiltrate our souls, so that hopefully we come out with a mind that is renewed so we look more like the Father. How I many know when you look more like the Father, you can love people around you well? You can't give something away that you don't have. FYI. And I believe that this is part of the reason why we have so many marriages that end in divorce early on in the marriage. They say like the first three years is the hardest three years. 
I believe that it's partly in due of the fact that people come together not complete in love. Meaning, I don't love myself well, how do I expect to care and love for my wife well too? If you're young, slow down. That's my advice. Just slow down. Take this upon you. Get into the secret place with the Father because all of this happens in the secret place. Amen? We see this phrase, first love, written in Revelation chapter 2. You can turn there if you have a Bible. It's going to be on the screen. But it says this. It says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write this. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. You have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. They are actually doing a really good job. Nevertheless, he says this in verse 4, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. He says, remember therefore where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you and quickly remove your lamp, your lampstand from its place. Some pretty stout words, some really strong words. Before we dive any further, I just feel like we should pray. Would you just, if you're comfortable, would you just put your hands out? Let's just engage for a moment. God, I just thank you. I thank you for a time such as this, Lord, that, that you're moving. God, the year is not over. God, and you spoke in the beginning of this year to me that this was going to be a year of explosions of the manifestations of your presence. So I thank you for that explosion right now. I thank you that you're here, that you're guiding my words, that my words are your words. God, I give you myself. I give you my, my ears that I would even hear you as I speak, Lord. But I pray that you would open the ears of every single person in the room, that we might receive something from you today that is unlike anything ever. God, that we would just come into a place of understanding and come into a place of remembering how good and how kind you actually are. God, you don't miss a beat. You don't miss a single thing. And uh, we thank you for it. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. First love. Every one of us has probably experienced some sort of form of first love. Maybe it come uh, through the love of or the love from a parent or from a friend. Maybe it came through uh, the love of or the love from a pet. Maybe it was when you feel like you found the one. Anybody ever found the one? Because... As Leanne said, there's only one. Yeah, right. Uh, we, we've all been in this place where, where we've experienced some sort of first love. I remember when, when I was dating my wife and when, when things started clicking where I knew that she was someone that I wanted to spend the rest of my life for a, sub, a significant amount of time with, things started changing, things started shifting in me. I, I began to pay attention to the things that she liked and what she didn't like. I began to, to do the things that pleased her. I began to do things that gave her life, that spoke life into her, because I wanted to be as close to her heart as I possibly could so that I could actually, in the end, get the girl. And I did get the girl. Twelve years later, I still have her. Thank you, Jesus. But there was this thing inside of me that clicked, and, and I, I remember it well. All of a sudden, Scripture became true. It says that when you have faith as a mustard seed, you could say to the mountain, be removed. And it would go from here to there. See, there was a giant mountain between Stacy and I. And this mountain, men, you might have experienced this mountain before. This mountain is called She's Not Interested. You ever been there? <laughs> That's a large mountain. 
And I just want to pray right now just for a moment. Like if you're going through this, if you're attempting to climb this mountain, if you have climbed this mountain, or you're thinking about climbing this mountain, you need some help. Jesus help them because it's a hard one. Got to prepare their hearts for the weather that's going to just ravish them, the winds that are going to beat against them. But there was this mountain called She's Not Interested, and I had to discover it with Stacy. Uh, we met when we were like 12 years old. Never dated until uh, we were 20, 21 years old. And she just, she just wasn't interested. And so I remember things like uh, going to her house and, and watching movies. And, and I, the joke is I would sit on the, the foot of the bed, and I would watch the movie. Stacy would be at the head of the bed under the blanket, and I just sat there. Like, I'm just going to sit there. Maybe it was because I had no game. I don't know. Or maybe it's because I was wise and I was actually trying to protect her heart. See, I didn't want Stacy to ever think that I was in it for sex only. I didn't want her to think that I was in it for the prize. I actually wanted to incubate this love. I wanted to keep this love. I wanted to, 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 to bless this love. I wanted it to do everything that I knew in my own power to keep this thing fresh and keep this thing moving because it was something that I wanted to experience for the rest of my life. So I kept it well. I kept it dressed well no pun intended. Like, I just did my best to stay in relationship with Stacy because I knew she was something that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. I did it because I was pursuing her. I did it because I was pursuing her. Men, I want you to repeat this with me. Say, I was made to hunt. Okay, let's start over. I was made to hunt. I was made to explore. Come on, men. I was made to explore. I was made to eat meat. I was made to pursue. I pursued her once. I'll pursue her again. I am in pursuit of my wife. And all the women said, amen. Amen. I believe that when we're in pursuit of something, we go after it with all that we have. And we go after it carefully. We go out, every step is calculated, every move is calculated because we want to achieve, we want to have that thing in our life for the rest of our life. I believe that there are moments in our relationship with Jesus that are like this. When Jesus actually becomes real, when, when what he became, uh, when what he did on the cross becomes real through the, the death, burial, and resurrection, I believe that there's a moment where we encounter a love when we actually walk into relationship with Jesus that is unlike anything else. I remember for me, I walked out of darkness and into something that I had never experienced before. That was a moment of first love. So in Revelation chapter 2, we see this church that's addressed by God, and, and he's beginning to talk to them about all of the things that they're doing really, really well. They're calling out people that are, that are claiming to be apostles that are not. They're calling out people that disagree with the theology that, that, that are just wrong. Uh, they're, they're literally doing all of the things that churches should be doing. In one breath, he's praising them, and then he says this in verse 4, nevertheless. And it's never good when God says, you're doing great, but, because you know that there's something come alongside it that might have an opportunity to offend you. He says, but I have this one thing against you. You have left your first love. Now, I looked up this word left in concordance. In, in the Greek, it means to send away, to bid going away or to depart. It actually speaks of a husband divorcing a wife. And when we think about it like that, it's like you've left your first love. So much so that it's like a husband that left his wife, that divorced his wife. This is not, this is not a, a losing 
This is a leaving. It's not a losing of love. This is just a leaving. This is a choice to walk away from relationship. This is a choice to be sidetracked by things and walk out of relationship. I just want to interject this just for a moment. I believe that there, there are lots of relationships that are ending, that, that, that are being um, just labeled as lost. I just propose to you, maybe you're not losing relationship, you're leaving relationship. I believe that if we would stop leaving hard conversations and leaving relationships when they get tough, we would stop using verbiage like, I lost something. Can you, say that, or can you believe that when you, when you say that you've lost something, you're actually taking on the identity of the victim? When you say that you left something, you're actually becoming mature and saying, I had a role to play in this relationship, and it didn't go well. So because I left it, I'm going to go back to it. I'm not going to just have this thing labeled over this relationship with, with my wife or this relationship with my kids or this relationship with my husband. I lost it. You didn't lose it. You left it. And I know that that's stout, but it's true. In times that are really, really challenging, don't run from relationship. Run to them. Run to them. So this is a first love that is literally just walked away from. You know, the Ephesian church that's being addressed here uh, is fallen into some of the same stuff that that the children of Israel had fallen into in Jeremiah chapter 2. And I wanted to read some of this to you. I just thought it was very, very interesting. Uh, This is going to be on the screen. Jeremiah chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says this. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord. He says, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, meaning the love that you had before you were married, when we were dating, before you got the prize, I remember that love. He says, when you went after me in the wilderness, in a land not sown, Israel was holiness to the Lord, the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him will offend. Disaster will come upon them, says the Lord. Verse 4, he says, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord. Watch this. What injustice have your fathers found in me that you have gone far from me, have followed idols and have become idolaters? Neither did I say, neither did they say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through the land of deserts and pits, through the land of drought and the shadow of death, through a land that no one crossed, where no one dwelt. I brought you, God says, I brought you into a bountiful country to eat its fruits and its goodness. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. I read scriptures like this, especially when he says, what fault have your fathers found in me that you would move far from me? I don't, I don't read those scriptures uh, from the position of a, of a, of, of a father who is mad. I, I, I read those scriptures from the perspective of a father who's hurt. Like, God had done all of these amazing things for the children of Israel. He had taken them from the place of the wilderness into this place where he had all of these things for them to, 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 to take pleasure in. But once they got the prize, once they got the thing that they wanted, once they were, once they were safe and once they were comfortable, they left the first love. I, I read that and I, just, I hear a, a father's whose heart is broken because his kids have walked out on their inheritance. You know, I read what went down in the, in, the, in the Garden of Eden the same way. In Genesis chapter 3, this is all super familiar to us. It says, now, when the serpent, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? 
And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit that is of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you will die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that was pleasant to the eye, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Verse 8 says this, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called out to Adam, and he said, where are you? Almost as like a father who loses a child in the public place and frantically starts searching for him. He says, where are you? Where did you go? I know where you're supposed to be, but you're not by my side. Where did you go? He starts frantically looking for him, I believe. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? I think most of the time our, percept- our perception of God when we miss the mark is that we can't instantly run back to him. You ever prayed something like, Lord, take me back into relationship with you? God, restore me back into relationship with you? When our, when our minds begin to shift from the perspective of a God who's disappointed to a God that's just hurt, we always run back to him. God desires close and intimate relationship with us. I believe that God's hurt, uh, heart was hurt in both of these stories. And actually, if, if I wanted to, just imagine for a moment that Jeremiah chapter 2 gives us more of an insight into what happened in the Garden of Eden. And this is not scripture, so don't tweet me or something. If you do, I won't see it because I don't have Twitter. So. But I could read Jeremiah chapter 2, something like this. Adam, Eve, what, just, what injustice have you found in me? That you would go far from me. That you followed after something that was just pleasant to your eye. Neither of you said, where is God who brought us into this place? Let's run to him. Let's ask him. Let's go to him. Let's run to relationship. I brought you into this place unlike any other, a heaven on earth. Gave you so many things to enjoy, but you took advantage of my generosity and you settled for something that was inferior. Such a sad moment in relationship of God and people where he had created something that was so precious and he had created something that was so special that they would actually forget God both of these stories, mind you, they, they are of, they're written about people that knew God's heart. We're talking about Adam and Eve, who literally hung out with God in the Garden of Eden. You can't say that they didn't know God. Then you have the children of Israel, who had walked with God, and he had literally delivered manna from heaven and done all of these amazing things, yet they left him. Matthew chapter 7 says this, 
Many who say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then he will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I pray that we would never be mentioned as people like those that were mentioned in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, where he said, they praise me with their lips, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts, they're far from me. Church, we can't let our public display for Jesus lead to a private abandonment of Jesus. We can't let our public display for Jesus, what we're putting on for Jesus, the love that we're giving to people in honor of Jesus and for Jesus. We can't give our our public affections of people towards people in the name of Jesus lead us to privately abandoning our relationship with Jesus. We can't be more married to the principal than we are to the prince. And oftentimes we get to this place because of maturity. <laughs> I'm mature, you're not, so therefore I'm going to give you the principle. This is when we get over into uh, speaking the truth, but just not in love. He commanded us to speak the truth in love, not just speak the truth. Well, I say what's on my mind, and that's just how it is. I would propose to you that you're more worried about a principle than you are the prince. If that relates to you, take it, chew on it, do something with it. We have to start choosing relationship over giftings. We have to start choosing relationship with Jesus over blessing. We have to start choosing relationship with Jesus over a platform. I don't know about you, but when I got into relationship with Jesus, I was not worried about a platform. I couldn't speak. I stuttered. I couldn't get words out. I wasn't worried about a platform, but I did know that early on in my relationship that Jesus said some very specific things in the word. And if I did them, I would receive fruit. If I did them, people's lives were going to be blessed. It was very simple. It was not hard. Can I tell you, your relationship with Jesus is not challenging and it is not hard. God is not a challenging God in, in such a way that he complicates and dilutes things so that you have to sift and point, connect all the dots to figure it out. If he says it, he's empowering you to do it. And I remember there was a moment within the first year, maybe even six months of being a Christian where I had a, a, a young cousin that was three that got diagnosed with, actually, I don't even know if they diagnosed her. They couldn't figure out exactly what it was. She had a, an infection in her bloodstream that caused her organs to start shutting down. She was, she was in really bad shape in ICU. She was three years old and round rocking. And I just remember, I remember reading stories in the Bible of the guy that came to Jesus whose daughter was dying. And he says, you have to come and you have to pray for her. And before Jesus prayed for her, he said that there were people in the room and they began to cry and they began to weep and he drove them out of the room. He, he cleared the room. So it's him and this child and, he's, and, he, and he grabs this child by the hand and he says, little girl, awaken. And I read scriptures like that, and I read stories like that, and I'm like, okay, wait, if Jesus did it, then why can't I do it? And you might say, well, you're not Jesus. Well, I'm going to say we have the same dad. And the same dad that empowered Jesus empowers me and empowers you. And so I went to Round Rock, and I said, if I can just get in this room, if I can just get alone with this little girl. Now, you can't say this out loud because people start calling you all kinds of names. Who do you think you are? But I knew, God, you said it, I can do it, so I'm going to do it. 
So here I am in the room, and I'm waiting for people to, to clear out, and it's like someone clears out, and I'm like, okay, here's the opportunity, and, and then someone comes in, and, and then a nurse comes in, and finally I was like, nurse, uh, can, could you just give me a minute? And I lay hands on my cousin. I didn't know much, but I just knew that God loved. And I began to pray, and I began to lay hands on the sick, and, and the scripture says that the sick will recover, and so I just believed it. And I left and I prayed and that was all I knew how to do. Ten days later, completely healed, completely out of the hospital. Actually, three days after that, she was running down the hallways. Now, what I'm not saying is that I get full credit for for doing that. There were a lot of people praying. But what I am saying is I want to be led like that again. I want to be led in such a way that when I read it, I just do it. What else do we need? Like, do we need 16 signs and a word from from some stranger to go lay hands on someone or, or to even give someone five bucks. I, I just, I'm kind of tired of, of logic trying to override everything that God says for me to do. I'm tired of logic coming into the moment when I see the person that's standing on the corner and I have the thought, they probably drive an Escalade that's parked in the parking lot. I'm not gonna give them the $20 that God told me to. See, logic actually robs us from these moments. And not only are they robbing me, they're robbing them. If your heart is right in the moment, it doesn't matter what the person does with the $20. When logic overrules you in the moment, you start acting like God. Well, I know what they're going to do with it. No, you don't. You assume you do. Maturity has gotten us to this place where we're not like child, like we're not like children any longer. And I believe that that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, return to your first love. My relationship with Jesus back then was super simple. He said it, and I wanted to do it. Revelations, he said three things. He said, remember from where you came. Repent and go back to your first works. Remember from where you came. Remember from where you've fallen. Repent and go back to your first works. We hope you loved our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great rest of your day.